Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. As far as what you know about like culture and, and maybe what you do know about the system, how do you see him fitting? I mean, you probably got a sense of like through uh, Bill Belichick's questions, you know, maybe how Taekwon might end up fitting. Yeah, I could, I could, I mean, I could see him being the home run threat there, you know, and someone that can open up that offense and stretch it out. You know, there's option routes underneath in, in the offense. There's basic routes and uh, outlets to running backs, timing routes, and all this little thing, but I think he can give the ability to open it up. Welcome to the show. Great to have you with us here. Uh, Continuing Henry's exclusive interview tour with the college coaches of each Patriots rookie. Uh, And this week we wanted to start with Tyquan Thornton, the Patriots' second-round wide receiver. That was the voice of Baylor head coach Dave Aranda. Henry, give me your take on on this conversation. Uh, it sounds like the coach feels like Tyquan Thornton. You know, we've talked a lot about his speed. Uh, sounds like he's the home run threat, top off the defense kind of guy, uh, which you know is probably exactly why the Patriots drafted him, right? Because they needed speed on offense, and Tyquan Thornton uh, fits that bill. But you know, what was your what's your leadoff take from that conversation with uh, Coach Aranda over at Baylor? I'm I'm with you there. I'm with what coach Aranda said, I think in year one, his role is probably pretty simple. The idea being sort of, sort of what Nelson Aguilar wasn't sort of what Brandon cooks was. And I think it's a fraction of, of playing time. So I don't think uh, Thornton's role will be significant in year one, to be honest. He's just there. There's too many mediocre receivers on this roster. There aren't any really good ones, but Thornton being a rookie entering an offense that's historically, you know, kind of eaten rookies alive. I just can't see him, you know, moving into, you know, cracking into that top three or even four receiver rotation. But, you know, when he gets on the field, I think I think what Aranda said is correct, which is. It's going to be about, you know, unloading the box because the Patriots are going to keep running the ball. That's that's not going to change. They're going to be a run focused team for at least one more year. And maybe through the year, they'll start to focus more on Mac Jones if he builds uh, confidence and the coaches build confidence in him. But what Thornton really needs to develop in order to be a legit, like playable receiver is what he showed at the um, bowl game uh, or sorry, the uh, all-star game. I can't remember. I think it was the shrine bowl. Yeah. And, wasn't, he wasn't at the senior bowl. Yeah. It was a shrine. Yep. And so he, he, he got some, what Jeff Grimes, um, uh, Thornton's offensive coordinator at Baylor said was he Grimes heard that Thornton was just open all weekend. Like he was just there or all week or whatever. There was just like no point where the cornerbacks could cover him. And so that was when his stock really started to rise. And that's the kind of play or player the Patriots need out of Thornton 
where the Shrine Bowl is a, a pretty different level of competition than NFL training camp and NFL games. But he needs to learn how to be more than just a field stretcher. He needs to learn how to have a, a few routes, a diversity of routes, so that he's not just get on the field and go. You know, he can run a stop route. He can run a slant route. He can run a post and effectively get open with consistency. Uh, so I'm I'm curious to see how quickly that comes for Thornton. The Patriots feel like it should come really quickly because they took him in the middle of the second round. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. There's definitely reason and room for skepticism. Uh, but But that's where I think he starts. And then... Nelson Aguilar either gets traded before the season or he gets traded or he parts of the team and him, you know, go their separate ways in 2023 at the end of this year. And at that point, there's really got to be no doubt that Thornton has to step up. Um, Devontae Parker will be around next year. Kendrick Bourne will be around next year. And Jacoby Myers might be around next year, but his contract expires after this year again. So in theory, that makes a natural one, two, three. Bourne, Thornton, and Parker. And maybe, you know, if the market's right for Jacoby Myers, I kind of think it will be. I don't think many teams are going to love Jacoby Myers just because of how slow he is, honestly. So I don't know. I think I think Thornton, you can just see like a natural trajectory of, increased involvement in the offense over the course of the next let's say 18 months yeah that that does seem like his projection as you were saying like learn behind Devonte parker and nelson aguilar and kendrick Bourne as a backup kind of situational player in year one while completely phasing out Nikhil harry please let's hope that happens phase out Nikhil harry learn behind those guys come in situationally and then hopefully serve the more prominent role in the offense in year two uh Let's talk a little bit about what the uh, the draft scouting pundits were saying about him, Henry. Like elite speed, immediate vertical threat, but not really a horizontal threat, right? Because you know you hear about how scrawny he is, so it, it might take some time for him to to beef up and really be able to expand his route tree, right? But he's not a possible replacement for Jacoby Myers down the road, as you were saying there, right? He's not going to be a slot guy, uh, which. You know, maybe fans were hoping for when they learned about how fast he is and how quick he is and how he can get open on his own. He's not a slot guy. He's an outside guy. So in, he needs to take the spot of a guy like Aguilar, right? And should they prioritize that sooner, right? Like, that's another question I've seen a lot of fans have. Like, why keep Thornton on the bench when you moved up to get him and he can help you right away? Why is Nelson Aguilar still here? Why, why is he going to serve in a backup role like uh, that's interesting too. Should they prioritize him over Aguilar this year? That's that's another question I'm seeing pop up a bunch. I think they should, with one condition. He needs proof quickly that he has the potential to be more impactful than Aguilar by let's just say, you know, thrown out week eight, right? Like by mid season. Thornton with Aguilar snaps, which Aguilar is not even going to get the same amount of snaps that he got last year now that Parker's in the rotation. But if Aguilar's getting, let's say, 40% of, of receiver snaps, right, I think the Patriots, they by now they probably should have seen enough of him. <laughs> but 
Um, if Mac Jones does what, like, for example, Andrew Callahan uh, at the Boston Herald, he's one of Aguilar's biggest proponents, I'd say, in the media. And what Andrew and I have sort of argued via text exchange is he thinks Mac Jones's increased development as a downfield passer could help Aguilar get a a bigger target share because Aguilar was open more than you'd think. It's just that Jones was either misfiring or too late or just not throwing at all. And ultimately that led to Aguilar's sort of bust status as a free agent signing. So if that changes, if Mac Jones can find a way to be a more aggressive player that suits Aguilar's strengths, all of a sudden he's a new player. And he never plays up to his contract, which is 22 million with the potential for 24 million over these two years that he's going to be here. But but here's what I think could happen: is if in training camp, Tyquan Thornton gets to a place where he's clearly competing with Aguilar, that's when I think they need to cut bait on Aguilar. They need to admit that they made a mistake, that Aguilar was a good player, that they couldn't figure out how to use. And, you know, the timing wasn't right and it costs a lot of money. But ultimately, you just you drafted this kid and he's very similar to Aguilar and you need to bring him along in a way that you've struggled to do with receivers in the past. And, and, and so they just they have to do what's what Bill would say is best for the team. They have to probably part ways with Aguilar in the event that Thornton is at a place where he's a contributor. Because burying him under four mediocre receivers when you drafted him in the second round, you can't do that. If you think that Thornton has the potential to be a wide receiver one and he's showing wide receiver one traits in training camp, you put him on the field so that he can get that game experience to be a wide receiver one by year two. So it's a really difficult situation, I think, with Aguilar because ditching him isn't easy. He's got nine million in salary. Robert Kraft didn't seem super thrilled with the Patriots building through free agency and moving on from Aguilar is admitting failure. So Belichick might not want to do that. He might not want to put himself, you know, put his head on the chopping block so that Kraft sees all the criticism. Oh, the Nelson Aguilar signing was a total failure because that's what it would be if Belichick ditched Aguilar. You know, he'd probably have to give up draft assets to get rid of Aguilar. So, you know, it's tough. It's tough. Belichick has really kind of put himself in a tough situation to to solve this. And this sort of savviest PR move might honestly be to sort of like let Aguilar slowly fall down the depth chart uh, with the season starting kind of like Aguilar and Parker splitting snaps, you know, in week one as the outside receiver. and then. As the season carries on, Thornton and and Parker splitting snaps as as they hopefully go into the playoffs, although they may not even make the playoffs. It'll be fun to see how they use him. He's kind of a polarizing player, right? Because the Patriots moved up to get him and they picked him earlier than most. They jumped over the Steelers who love to draft wide receivers and they drafted George Pickens right after him. You know, the Steelers with all their their, their hit rate at wide receiver. For them to take Pickens right after the Pats took Thornton is a little scary. 
Um, and then there's, you know, as we talked about last week, there's that run on receivers picking Sky Moore, Alec Pierce. Uh, so the Patriots move up, take Tyquan Thornton, and all the draft pundits are telling us that he was supposed to go around later. So uh, polarizing pick. It'll be fun to see uh, how that plays out. We'll definitely be on this story as it goes. Uh, but but Henry, you've been super busy, man. Not not only with the draft and the draft comes and goes, and you guys did an amazing job at Patriots Wire and across the board. But you're you're also you're talking to all the co- you know basically every coach or coordinator for each Patriots rookie, and you you also spent this week talking to uh, all basically all of the Patriots uh, assistant coaches, right? With the assembled media, two straight days, twelve assistant coaches on Zoom. <laughs> so. Uh, that's that's got to be a lot man right that's a lot of that's a lot of work and just a lot of nonsense uh, for the parts that i caught you know i certainly didn't listen to all 12 interviews there but uh just a lot of nonsense a lot of confused reporters asking questions and a lot of nonsense coming from patricia joe judge nick cayley and the crew it was definitely a lot it was a bit overwhelming that was the whole point the patriots set up back-to-back meetings with assistant coaches so the way that it works, I'll be quick because I don't think fans really care that much about this. But the way that it works, it, uh, here's the here's the thing. It is a way where Bill Belichick is being sneaky and manipulating rules. So that's the hook for for fans who are like, oh, media stuff, whatever. So basically, Belichick gets the rules from the NFL, which is your assistant coaches have to meet with the media two times during the off season. What what they don't specify is when those two meetings have to occur so what belichick does is he schedules them back to back in the most dead part of the off season (laughs) where you basically the coaches can just say i don't know what my job title is i haven't seen any of the veterans on the football field i've seen the rookies at minicamp which basically counts as nothing because all they do is like skill drills and there's no point of comparison to have veterans standing next to them to be like oh that veteran's clearly better than this rookie basically there's no information that to relay and that's the whole point is the 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 off season is basically like the act the the acquiring phase of the off season is basically over the evaluation phase is not quite beginning and so a lot of the information that they give us is useless and that's the point so they double up this this process at a time where we really can't collect very much information. What we did collect, and and I, again, I, I think Patriots fans are sort of like at odds with each other and media members about whether it matters. But what we did collect is what the offensive staff will likely be doing. And that is that Joe Judge will be working with the quarterbacks, which I reported earlier this offseason. Um, according to a source, Matt Patricia will be with the offensive line. Again, I reported that earlier this offseason. Uh, Nick Cayley is likely to stay with the tight ends. He's still working with the tight ends. Uh, assistant Billy Yates, who was the assistant offensive line coach, I anticipate he'll be back with the offensive line again. Vinny Sansuri, who was the assistant running backs coach, will be the running backs coach. And Troy Brown, who is the, I think, co-receivers coach, will now be the receivers coach. So a lot of natural promotions that happened along with the acquisition of Judge and and uh, Patricia. What we do not still, what we still do not know is 
who will be the coordinators for this team. There's only one coordinator on this team. And I bet, you know, let's just say 15% of Patriots fans uh, can actually provide his name. Do you know the one coordinator on this team's name? Man, uh, you can't Google the, the, it. The special team. There's no cheating. Yeah, it's special teams, yeah, well, right? You don't even know his name. I just you? know he sucked last year. That's, no, I don't know his name. Which is fine. It's fair. No one really cares. I, sh- about I should. I'm, I should. But you're right. Yeah, go that's ahead. that's fine. I think it's funny. It proves my point, which is that like the leadership team in this group is like I'm sure there's a good sense of what it is internally, but externally, there's just there's just a lot of nonsense, and so. Um, I asked Steve Belichick, hey, are you going to be the coordinator this year? And he said, it's a fair question, but I don't know. I would like to be, but if I'm not, no big deal. Dad hasn't told me. So, <laughs> so, so far as we know, there are no, there are no coordinators aside from Cam Accord, the special teams coordinator. So that's that. That's what we know. That's what we don't know about the Patriots staff. Um, I'm going to play your role here ryan uh and i'm gonna ask you given what we know who do you want to be the de facto offensive coordinator is it the person who's probably their run game coordinator matt patricia or the person who's their passing game coordinator joe judge uh billy (laughs) o'brien no i mean i neither i don't know like uh yeah i'm not sure um i'm not sure who i want to be the offensive coordinator out of this crew uh Nick Cayley, Patricia, Joe Judge, like, so just to, and I know I'm riding the fence here, but Joe Judge coaching the quarterback kind of scares me because, like, I remember Joe Judge as a special teams guy for the Pats, right? And then he takes the head coach job with the Giants and did very little to develop Daniel Jones to the point where you, Henry, came on this show during training camp and told us that Mac Jones was clearly the better quarterback in that summer joint practice with the Giants. So, like, Daniel Jones wasn't getting developed, and now he's back in New England, and, you know, Accord, I forget Accord's name there, the special teams guy, but the special teams was not good last year, couldn't block anyone, we're having punts blocked at horrible times, and the special teams wasn't good. I'd feel more comfortable with Joe Judge being back in his old role than, you know, mentoring Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones. Like, and, And I know Belichick's ultimately probably taking the lead on Mac Jones and his development, so I don't want to like overreact, but is if if Judge is like the guy running the quarterback room and all the meetings, like I don't know, I don't love it. And Patricia, I know he's the offensive line coach. You you were all over that, and and he pretty much um you know confirmed that in in the in the uh, press conferences. But Billy Yates could easily be the offensive line coach with Patricia doing other things, and the other things will probably be calling the plays, right, Henry? Like my gut feeling is that. The uh, the offensive coordinators are going to be Patricia and Belichick, and Patricia's going to be calling the plays. If there's a guy with a, a play sheet over his mouth on the sideline or in the booth, it's Patricia with Belichick probably crafting the game plan and maybe scripting the first 15 plays or whatever, but Patricia calling the plays and Belichick chiming in uh, during the game. That's kind of what I'm expecting. I don't know if I love it. I would have rather them brought in Billy O'Brien or somebody else to, to run the offense because I don't know if I trust the former defensive coordinator or the former special teams coach or Nick Cayley who has doesn't really have the experience either. Uh, I don't know, but I'm expecting it to be Patricia ultimately being the offensive coordinator and um, and calling the plays with Belichick uh, in his 
in his hip pocket, basically, is my prediction. So I'll give you the flip side argument to, to this. If you're thinking Billy Yates is going to be the assistant offensive line coach, which is what I mentioned, to Matt Patricia, and Matt Patricia's, let's say, the run game coordinator, think about it this way. What if Joe Judge and Bill Belichick are coaching quarterbacks? Because that's what's going to happen. Bill Belichick's going to focus his efforts on developing Mac Jones Definitely. this year. Yep, so I if, agree with if that. Joe Judge is, yeah. So if Judge is just getting help at the at the quarterback position from Belichick, and Patricia's getting help at the offensive line position from Billy Yates, what position do you think is more covered <laughs> from like a uh, quote-unquote help standpoint it's obviously the quarterbacks it's obviously Bill Belichick's lifting a lot of the weight over there so I could see actually a scenario where a judge calls the place uh, where a judge who's in sync with the quarterback but isn't necessarily you know burdened as much by the workload of the quarterback development number one because there are few fewer quarterbacks to develop with just three players in that room but number two and obviously the offensive line usually being about 10 starting players or, or roster players, and then a few more on the practice squad. So there's, there's three positions to coach there and really five because each position, whether it's left guard or right guard is different. I think that that's going to be, that might push Bill Belichick to be like, okay, you know, I think I've kind of got this in terms of the quarterbacks. Like, you, like Judge has got it, obviously, but Bill's kind of like, I'll help out a lot, and that frees you up to be play caller. But, uh, you know, if it's a run-forward offense, like maybe Matt Patricia is the center of the play calling experience because because run game starts first, right? And And so maybe – Maybe that philosophy um, will pervade, prevail. I don't know. It yeah. will be pervasive and will prevail. But the the last thing I'll say is Joe Judge and Matt Patricia had sort of funny media sessions these last few days. Ridiculous. They they were just like doing everything they could to win over sort of the court of public opinion. And Judge, who's been really brutally criticized over the last few years. Some of it fair, some of it not. He was going like above and beyond the call of duty yesterday to like prove that he was a competent play caller. And a part of me thought that he was sort of doing that as a way of almost tipping that he might be the the play caller. That like he's got this really unique understanding of how to call offensive plays. And he tried to convey that maybe because he knows that he's got a good shot of ending up in that position. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Let me ask you this. If it's Patricia or judge, right? If that's ultimately what it comes down to, if that's what this whole like competition thing, like we're going to figure it out during training camp, uh, uh, you know, we're going to, we'll figure it out by week one, whoever's the best at it's going to get the job. Would you rather it be judge? If you put yourself in the, in the fans, you know, in my seat, in like the Patriots fan, um, and I'll answer this after you. Would you feel more comfortable with it being Judge or Patricia this year? 
if I'm a, if I'm a fan. Yeah, you're, you're putting saying? you're putting yourself in my seat. You're you're putting on the footy pajamas oh, and being the Patriots fan. Golly. Who would you feel better about, Judge or Patricia? I guess I just I just found that empathy for fans who are really stressed <laughs> out about this because I've, I just I've literally been, I've been stressed since your last uh, comments. But go on, I'll tell you why. Yeah, I mean, if you're a fan, because I've like sort of monitored, I'm always monitoring fan perception. If you're a fan, you're freaking out because you think Matt Patricia like sunk a bunch of the defenses and made bad play calls and really was like on his way in decline as a play caller when he left for Detroit. And then he went to Detroit and he just blew that franchise up. If you're thinking about Joe judge, you're like, okay, well judge was like trying to move from special teams where he was very good to offense. When the Patriots, uh, in his final years with the Patriots and in doing so, he got a job as the receivers coach and Nikhil Harry was kind of his pet project. And we all know who that, how that ended along with, they also had to acquire Mohamed Sanu for a second round pick. And that worked for like a game. He already ankle and it was never the same so another problem that kind of joe judge was was the manager of so and then he goes to new york and it's like what happened with that offense it was a disaster right um exactly. it was a really really they, bad offense and like putting score. aside score that the play yeah exactly put aside that play that sort of uh the the running play <laughs> this qb sneak to punt situation oh yeah like put that aside because that's like a, the memification of analysis. It was just fun. I love doing that. But I'm but I think it like over sort of ranks, overrates the uh, like clown show in New York. It's like there was so much more going on. Um, but yeah, God, I just I just I feel like a panic attack is coming on now that I'm a you, Patriots you, fan. You haven't for, you for haven't really answered minutes. it yet. You haven't answered. No, I know. I you're just, just summed you're just up panically all the bad talking. stuff. Yeah. So who would you yeah. pick? Who who would you feel more comfortable with, Judge or Patricia calling the plays? As a fan, uh, Patricia because he won Super Bowls as a play caller and not just judges calling plays as a um. Uh, special teams coordinator and won Super Bowls, but uh, he's not doing it, you know, 70 times a game. He's doing it a few times. He's got lots of time to think in between versus Patricia's like bang, bang, dealing with the rigors of a defensive series. I think similarly, it's it's that quick thinking, um, staying on schedule, making sure you hit the right plays at the right times. That's something that's already in his brain and he was good at it even though you might argue he had some issues at the end he had a track record of success so that's why i would probably say patricia on paper makes more sense yeah a hundred percent if it, if i have to pick between patricia and judge patricia patricia i want it and i i don't know if i could trust patricia calling the offensive plays all year but if it's between those two and it seems like it is Patricia, like he at least he's done it before, as you just said, right? I know it's on defense, but he's done it before. He knows what being a play caller is like. He knows what crafting a game plan is like. And Judge's history kind of scares me. I, I, I'm not saying that I'm not one of the people that think Joe Judge is a bad coach or that he completely sucks. I just don't know if he was completely ready for that situation. I don't know if he's completely ready to be a head coach yet. 
Henry, who's probably in over his head. They fired the offensive line coach with the Giants. Judge tried to help out there, but the offensive line didn't improve. They fired Jason Garrett, and Judge probably took on more of the you know the offensive coordinator role there, and the offense didn't improve. Uh, Daniel Jones sucked before, and he still sucked with Joe Judge there. He didn't develop the quarterback, so like the track record there isn't great with him. I don't know if he's ready. Like maybe down the road if they could coach him up, but I don't think he's gonna be ready for this year. Joe Judge that would scare the crap out of me. Joe Judge being the offensive coordinator and calling the plays. Oh, no, 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 no. So, yeah, no, uh, if it's between the two, while I hate both of them, uh, I would go Patricia. And, and I don't know how you could say, oh, man, I'd rather have Judge than Patricia, you know? Like, I think, hopefully I'm speaking for Patriots fans when I say, oh, man, and it's painful to say this, but I just hope it's Patricia calling the place. Like, let's just let's just do it. Let's just go with Patricia. That's my, uh, I think that's my gut feeling, mostly, Henry, because that's what I hope happens between these two, is that it's Patricia calling the place. Yeah, I'm a part of me feels like Judge might be the guy <laughs> because yeah, a part and, of me thinks honestly, they were grooming. I feel like we're losing at halftime to the Jets right now. That's how upset I am hearing you say that. Like, yeah, it freaks me out. Like I and I, I say that because I freaking hate the Jets more than you can hate right. any organization. Uh, but yeah, I just how how I mean, if, if Joe Judge is the play caller and he's like the Josh McDaniels guy and he's in front of the media talking like it's just it'll be hilarious and awkward and funny for us to listen to that sound and break down how the game plans worked out and how his play calling was but it won't be fun it won't be fun as a fan at all if it's judge but man you're real you're not gonna you're not going back on that how huh? you really do think it's judge that's that's disappointing Henry you're disappointing me you're ruining my day yeah, that's kind of just a gut instinct, though. I don't know. That's not like an informed opinion, but it just felt like the Patriots were grooming Judge to move to an offensive leadership role because that's where he wanted his career to go when he last left. So part of me thinks they're going to do that again, get him back on that track to be an offensive leader. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We will see. All right, man. Let's leave it here. Uh, we'll, we'll leave this episode here. Uh, how how do you feel about like I know, I know the schedule came out on Thursday, like give me an give me your, in your back of your head like the over under for wins for the Patriots, and I can pull up the Tipico app here, the sports book, and, and give us the actual number. But how many games do you think the Patriots are going to win? You kind of you, you may have uh, already gave us your answer earlier when you said if the Patriots make the playoffs, that's certainly not a guarantee. Yeah. Um. How do you feel? Is this like a seven kind of win football team, or is this a team that can get up to nine or, or ten wins? What's your prediction there? I said eight. I did a, a game by game prediction for the season right after the schedule came out, and th- and that's when I said eight. But gosh, I, I mean, I don't know. Like that might that's sort of like working under the assumption that Bill Belichick does Bill Belichick stuff and figures out how to squeak out a few wins against above average teams. I think they could have a really nice start to the season. There's a lot of easy games in the first like eight weeks, 10 weeks. And then what I think will happen is they will lose the majority of the second half of the season. And it's going to be fascinating and Patriots fans are going to hate it because what's going to happen is 
the sporting world is going to dump all over Belichick's Patriots, going to dump all over Belichick for a quiet offseason, going to dump all over Belichick for poor drafts because the Patriots are going to be sort of fading from relevancy at the end of the year. I it just the the schedule is too tough. They have two games against the Bills in the in the last like four or five weeks. They've got the Cardinals. They've got the Raiders. They've all on the road. They've got the um who else? I gotta look it up the schedule. This is just I'm just saying it from memory, but the it's not pretty. They've got a Thanksgiving game, you know, against the Vikings. They've got the Bengals. Oh, I forgot about that. Christmas Eve. Bengals tough one they're hosting the Bengals right it's it's just that's and all those games that I just said one two three four five six seven that's the final seven games of the season not to mention a week 17 game against the Dolphins who just even though they're they're hosting the Dolphins are just a thorn in the Patriots side and they're they're more competitive I'd say than ever so that game isn't an easy win there's 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 seven games seven of the last seven games are easy losses in my mind vikings at vikings on thanksgiving that's that could be a loss first bills loss loss at cardinals loss at raiders loss versus bengals loss versus dolphins loss at bills loss what if they lose seven in a row to finish the season i mean that would that would be insane conceptually but looking at the schedule it's not actually insane from from who they'll play so should be a pretty pretty nutso season i think for new england (laughs) absolutely yeah the over under on typico is eight and a half so henry's just under that number uh and yeah i think i would i'm going i'm leaning under as well right now just because the i think the dolphins are better on paper and I just don't know. I just don't. We just talked about the coaches, and that's that's why I wanted to go here. I just don't quite feel comfortable with the situation with the coaching staff. It's just really awkward and strange. And it just, I, I felt a lot more confident in the team last year with Josh McDaniels. And I, I just feel like, how, how does the loss of McDaniels not hurt? It's gonna, they're gonna feel it, and I think it's gonna be. We're going to feel it at times during the year. And maybe it'll be similar to last year, Henry, where they're maybe they won't have as good a record as they did, but they got a better record early and then they fade off. Um, last year, they kind of stumbled into the playoffs. This year, maybe maybe they don't make it. So, um, going to be interesting. Going to be interesting. But yeah, the what a, what a freaking awkward, awkward couple days for you. So 12 assistant coaches, back-to-back days, they all talked twice. So did you did you do like so did you do both Joe Judge interviews on like say it was like a Monday and a Tuesday did you do both? Yeah, <laughs> uh, you they have they have they have the coaches talking at the same time as other coaches. Uh, okay. So on Monday I sat in with Judge, and then on Tuesday I sat in with I forget who might have been Gerard Mayo or something. Yeah. Um, so you kind of pick and choose and you can talk to different coaches at different moments. But yeah, it was, it was, it's just relentless. Every time you think that the off season is here and you know, you, you get to be like a teacher in the summer and you get to relax. The Patriots are like, Oh yeah, but one more thing. And so, or the NFL is they're like, yeah, but did you think about the fact that 
you could also have this big event that nobody cares about. So, uh, <laughs> but now I think we're in the clear. I kind of look left. I look right. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. It's my bachelor party this weekend. I'm going to go get lost in the main woods and <laughs> hang out with my buddies and do a few 12 ounce bicep curls and have a great weekend. Yeah. I love it, man. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. You deserve it. And uh, congrats on uh, the marriage. And I can say that because you're already married. You're doing your bachelor party yep. after your marriage. So props to your wife. She's obviously really cool. Um, yeah, but yeah. I don't know how much how much trouble you guys can get into in the woods of Maine. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, trust me, there is plenty that we can <laughs> get into. All right, well, <laughs> great stuff as always, man. Enjoy the bachelor party, and uh, let's catch up soon on here. Okay. Thanks, folks. Stick with us. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.